everyone. Welcome to Chi Alpha After Hours. We're your hosts, Cassie, Nathan, and Christian, here to take a closer look at what it means to follow Jesus on the university campus. For the next few weeks, we'll be looking specifically at the Holy Spirit, the member of the Trinity that can seem a little more mysterious to many of us. This week, we'll be looking at the role that the Holy Spirit plays in transforming our character. In upcoming weeks, we'll explore the Spirit's role in strengthening Christian community and empowering us as witnesses for Christ. Um, So as we're talking about this, um, I want to start with how we should start to understand the Holy Spirit. Uh, I grew up in a church community that referred to him as the Holy Ghost um, and had the Spirit described as like my conscience. Uh, But when we look at the way that the Bible portrays the Spirit, we come to see him as a lot more complex than we might assume from those descriptions. Uh, Even just using pronouns for the Spirit, saying he instead of it, shows that there's a lot more to the Spirit there. So who is the Holy Spirit? Well, I mean, the easy answer is the Holy Spirit's God. Yeah. (laughs) You know, I mean, that's the easy answer. But what's complicated is um, God is so big and... um, He's so great, and the way he's revealed himself to us is that um, he's three persons that are not synonymous with each other, but are all still one being. So it's not right to call them three separate beings, and it's not right to just simply say it's one one being. It's 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 one God in three persons uh, is the right way to say it, and so. Um, Obviously, you know, our language fails to be able to talk about that dynamic of what's described there as the Trinity. But we see that there's the Father, the Son, which is revealed to us in Jesus. Um, and then we have the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is talked about all the time in the Old Testament and um, frequently in the New Testament. It's not He's not just a New Testament being or revelation, but he's very present in... Um, in the Old Testament, in fact, it says in, in Genesis 1, right at the beginning, the Spirit of God was hovering over the water. So the Holy Spirit is just um, the manifestation of God in this third person of the Trinity um, that is is a spirit. You know, he's not physical, but he's a being. It's a he, you know, he's, a, he, he's not a force or a power. Um, he's to be worshipped. He is God, um, and then he also just does a lot of things through us in in the world. Mm-hmm. The thing I would probably add to that <clears throat> is that the Holy Spirit is a person. Mm-hmm. So, and that's a really significant statement to to make because it means that he has all the the qualities of being a person. So, Jesus having been a person as well. You know, he has a personality. He has um, likes, dislikes. He loves things. He he wills things. He desires things, wants things. And all those things like desires and loves and things like that are all in common with the Father and the Son. They're mm-hmm. of one will. However, I feel like in a lot of conversations about the Spirit, sometimes, much of the time, he's referred to as almost an it. Mm-hmm. or a thing rather than a person. And I even fall into that sometimes. It's like, oh, yeah, you know, the language, oh, yeah, the Spirit of God. It's like, oh, it's a thing that's of God. It's mm-hmm. not God himself. And so, but uh, cor- the the church belief, 
doctrinal dogmatic belief is that the Holy Spirit is an individual person um, and is not a separate kind of thing. It's it's a person like Christ. It's a person like He's the Father. He's a person like Christ. Oh, yeah. See, I did it right there. <laughs> did it right there. Um, I think it's worth saying, though, it's just like when we talk about God and the identity of God, our words are ultimately going to fail. Yeah. You know, like, you know, mm. we're going to try to describe the Holy Spirit, but, mm. you know, like our language isn't going to be able to describe him mm-hmm. in the way that is right. Yeah, it gave so us an impossible we're try- task. We're trying, <laughs> yeah. we're trying our best you know, <laughs> as, as described in the Bible, but it's... And I would say even more, uh, it's most no- noticed, it's most noticed in conversations of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Like that aspect of like our words fail. I feel like most conversations about the Holy Spirit tend to be one of grasping at something that's really, really hard to get one's mind around mm-hmm. um, and one's language around. But it's very explicit in Scripture, however, that the Holy Spirit is real. Mm-hmm. And that the Holy Spirit is arguably the, well, no, yeah, I think the Holy Spirit is, scripturally speaking, the one that interacts with us the most in a moment-to-moment basis. Mm -hmm. Some might contend against that, but it's very active and participatory in our lives now. I think, um, going off of what you guys have both said, it's important to remember that the Spirit is an equal member of the Trinity. Mm-hmm. Like often in churches, we talk more about God the Father or Jesus, maybe because they're easier to understand. Um, but the Spirit is equal and therefore worthy of our attention and our worship. Um, and also, you know, we can cultivate a relationship with the Spirit. I think we tend to think about uh, the Father or Jesus in that way more often. Um, but as a person, the spirit longs for a relationship with us. Mm. And that's something that we can actually, you know, put energy and intention toward say, yeah, I want to know more about the spirit. And so that's one of my hopes, uh, through these next few episodes is that we would long for a deeper relationship with the spirit. Mm-hmm. It's, it's interesting. Like, um, I think a lot of Christians are uncomfortable because of these things we're talking mm-hmm. about, how hard it is to describe the Holy spirit and, um, just wrap our minds around it. And then also, you know, we're going to talk about, at some point we're going to talk about spiritual gifts and, mm-hmm. the, you know, the miraculous, different things like that, that can freak people out when you talk about the Holy Spirit. Um, but what's interesting is like um, a lot of times people don't understand that they, they're already interacting with the Spirit mm-hmm. in ways that they are. So like a lot of times people tell kids, you know, uh, or pray to tell each other, like, well, you need to pray to receive Jesus into your heart. Mm-hmm. You know, well, Jesus is like a five foot something man. <laughs> right. Who's mm-hmm. not going to fit in, like literally fit in your heart, mm-hmm. you know, in a sense, like, you know what I mean? Yeah. This, the mm-hmm. second person of the Trinity. Yeah. And actually, what does Jesus say in John three, when he talks to Nicodemus, he says mm-hmm. um, that you need to be born of the spirit. Mm-hmm. And that when he talks about having somebody receive Jesus, he actually says to be received Jesus, we need to be reborn of the spirit. So mm-hmm. what are we actually doing? It's fine to use that language of ask Jesus in your heart. Yeah. It's fine because they're the same God, right? It's like, you know, <laughs> yeah. we don't want to divide them like oddly, mm-hmm. you know, Jesus and the Holy Spirit, the same team, same being, same you will. know, like it's yeah. like, so we can say, uh, we can say ask Jesus in your heart. It's fine. But ultimately what we're, 
you know, theo theologically correctly doing is we're asking the Spirit to dwell mm -hmm. in our heart. Mm -hmm. And I think it's in, um, I'm not sure, it's 2 Corinthians 5 or 1 Corinthians 5 where it says that the Spirit is a um, guarantee of our salvation. He's a deposit mm -hmm. of our salvation because He dwells in us. You know, it talks about how our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. You know, the Spirit dwells in us. And that's how we are. That's how salvation happens is the Spirit lives in us mm -hmm. and He brings life and renewal to us. Yeah. Yeah, I think the Spirit is knowable in that way. Like, what's true of God's character is also true of the Spirit, um, which can maybe help the Spirit seem less scary or unfamiliar. Um, I think when I start to talk about the Holy Spirit with students, sometimes they're like, I just don't know what to make of this. And I'm like, well, you know God is loving and kind and caring and forgiving. That's also true of the Spirit. The Spirit wants um, the will of God for you. And so I think that's something, too, where we can remember, okay, the Spirit is is like Jesus and is like the Father. Mm -hmm. And so we can trust him just as much as we trust God the Father or Jesus. God says, it says that he, when Jesus is talking to his disciples in John 14, he says, I'm going to give you another mm -hmm. Advi another the word is paraclete and it could be counselor advocate whatever it's like another ultimate friend is what it means ultimate pal <laughs> you know yeah. ultimate helper in a sense um but it's important because jesus says i'm gonna send another meaning he himself is a paraclete mm -hmm. and he's saying i'm gonna send another and the greek word for another there is kind of an interesting one is alelos which means um so there's two words for other in Greek. I wish I could remember the other one, but I can't. But alelos means other but similar. Hmm. Like the other word for other means other but different. But alelos is like another but in the same way. Hmm. So so I'm going to send another paraclete. Like I'm going to send one like me. I'm going to send somebody just like me to you. And so Jesus is just saying, me and the Spirit, we're on the same team. Mm -hmm. Um and, and we shouldn't be self-protective toward the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. And I think I sense that a lot because of the mysteriousness of the Spirit and um, how, how, hard it is, how, how hard it can be to understand the Spirit. And maybe even that the Spirit will want us to do weird things sometimes. Mm -hmm. But we don't need to be self-protective mm -hmm. because we don't need to be self-protective towards God. Yeah. And that's the one who... God wants, who we're supposed to let dwell in us and live in us, is God the Spirit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so, so as you were mentioning earlier, Christian, uh, the Spirit dwells in every true believer. So we're like walking around, carrying around the Holy Spirit. Um, mm -hmm. And in Acts 2, verses 38 and th through 39, um, Jesus describes the Spirit as a gift for all whom the Lord our God will call. That's not Jesus. That's definitely Peter. <laughs> so um, anyways, but when they when people choose to follow Jesus, the spirit dwells in us. Um, so thinking about that, like obviously the spirit does a lot in our world um, and asking what the spirit does would be like asking what God has done for all of history and beyond. Um, and that's too much for us to talk about. But if the spirit lives in us, um, what roles does he play in helping us follow Jesus? Well, you know, it, it says that the, the Holy Spirit is the one who sanctifies us. 
So sanctifying is this process of us becoming more holy. So I love this phrase, you know, um, I, don't, I don't even remember who told me this first, but it's been so used. I'm not like ripping anybody off. <laughs> it's like that, you know, by God, we have been saved. We are being saved and we will be saved. So there's a sense of, you know, by accepting Christ's, you know, um, death and resurrection, he saved us um, to himself. But then there's still this process of working out our salvation or bringing our, our body, our, our, our soul, our mind, spirit, whatever, our whole being, bringing it underneath the lordship of Jesus. And that's that's the process of being saved. Like we need to still, not, not that we are, haven't been saved, but there's still this working out of our salvation, this process called sanctification that the Holy Spirit is doing within us. And this idea that we will be saved when Jesus comes again at the final day and that we are resurrected or we see Jesus come at the end of the day, like maybe because tomorrow in 2020 is crazy. Um, so like, um, but there's this process and that the Holy Spirit is part of that sanctification process. God saving us now, bringing our, our being into conformity with salvation. And so that's, that's one way. In the passage you mentioned earlier, uh, the John 14 passage, um, Jesus also talks about how the Spirit reminds us of truth, uh, reminds us of the truth that he taught. And so I think in that sanctification process, right, the Spirit is bringing conviction through the truth, um, which is God's word and mm-hmm. which is what Jesus taught. Yeah. Um, so the Spirit's also helping us to live faithfully through helping us remember what Jesus taught. Um, and so that might be in, in our own lives, or even as we're talking to people, um, reminding us of the truth. Um, and so I think the Spirit in that way is advocating for us and helping us to conform more like Christ as we remember what's true in the midst of a world that wants us to believe other things. You know, he also, I mean, he he makes us, like the Spirit dwelling in us makes us the son, uh, his son, like it, uh, like by dwelling in us, we are more like Jesus, you know. And so, like, um, it talks about in both um, Galatians three and Romans eight. It talks about how because the Spirit dwells in us, it, there's a sense of adoption that now, um, because this, the Spirit of Christ, you know, the Holy Spirit lives in us. Now we can approach God as as our true Father, and you know, it even says like that we can call him Abba Father, and um, the term Abba there is like a very familiar word for Father, so it'd be like Daddy or Papa or, you know, Poppy, whatever. It could be lots of different things, you know, and so, but there's this familiarity, this tenderness, this sense of I can totally trust, there's this deep intimacy, like I can trust that my, my Father has a goodness for me. He's fully adopted me. He doesn't see me as a lesser child in the house, like I'm the full child in the house. And the reason we can have that assurance is because the Holy Spirit is dwelling in us, the Spirit of Christ. And so when he, it's it's the way in which, you know, there's this thing that talks about putting on Christ, almost like putting on a coat, like put on Jesus. Um, and the way we do that is through the dwelling of the Holy Spirit within us and walking, walking in the Spirit. Yeah, I think the Spirit is is part of relating us. The Spirit definitely plays a role in relating us to the Trinity um, and and also to the church, right? Like 
in 1 Corinthians 12, um, Paul talks about how the Spirit um, brings us into adoption under, like, God the Father, uh, but also adopts us, like, as we're all adopted, we become a part of the family of Christ, uh, which is the church. And so um, I think in that way, the Spirit also helps us relate to one another uh, within the church body and um, and also to God. So the Spirit's playing this really relational role within the Trinity of bringing us to um, the Father and also to our brothers and sisters in Christ. I think something, just adding to what you said there, it's like, uh, Paul like exhorts a lot of churches in order to to operate according to a spirit of unity, and like there's there's a sense of uh, commonality amongst the members of a church. And it's like we all bear the same spirit, mm-hmm. we all are of the same kind, and there's like that's something that unites the church. It makes us unique and individual from others. It's that we are, um, ident- it um. Yeah, it identifies us and it also like gives us a perspective on other believers. It's like I shouldn't look at myself as more than or less than someone else because we both bear the same spirit. And that's a similar sentiment conveyed like within the same like we all have the same salvation. We all follow the same Jesus. We all have the same we're all uh, inheritors of the same kingdom of the Father, you know. Um and but the spirit is like a similar sentiment. It's like it's something that's meant to unite us. Like we all have the same core wealth, so to speak, um, that that um, that unites us, that puts us together, keeps us on the same quote unquote team. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's also crazy. Like I think it empowers us in the same way and makes us more courageous, or makes us realize like problems aren't as big as they are because like you know you think about okay, it says in in Romans that the spirit that raised Christ from the dead is the one who dwells in mm. us. Yeah. So it's like the same spirit that can conquer death dwells in you. The same spirit that helped Peter be able to proclaim that, that, that this one guy was healed so he could walk that dwells in us. The same spirit that has done all these miraculous works over time is the same spirit that dwells in us. And that should make us like have a sense of, Whoa, we are, we're strong. We're powerful. Mm-hmm. You know, and it unites us with each other temporarily here, like all the other believers living, but also our believers of the past and um, and the people in the Bible, you know, mm-hmm. That, mm-hmm. that this is the spirit that dwells with us. This is the God who mm-hmm. lives in us. Yeah, I think that speaks to why Jesus says the spirit is so important. Um, he's like, yeah, I actually have to go ascend and be with my father so that the Holy Spirit can come. Yeah. Um, which I think implies like if the spirit didn't come in the way that uh, he now dwells in believers, we wouldn't have the strength we have as the church. Um, like it's hard to access Jesus when he's one body on earth walking around. Mm-hmm. But with the spirit, uh, we're all empowered in the same way that the early disciples were uh, to have constant communication with the person of God. Yeah. Um, and that's really important. Yeah. So let's turn specifically to one passage, uh, Galatians 5, 16 through 26, uh, where the Apostle Paul talks about what it means for us as believers to live according to the Spirit. And I'll read it for us out of the ESV. And it says, "Uh, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, 
and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another and being one another. Okay, so there's a lot here, and it doesn't seem like Paul is talking about fruit you can eat. Um, so what is Paul saying about the Holy Spirit's role in transforming our character? Mm -hmm. um, there's a, I, I just have this like picture as you're reading this uh, passage this time, I just have this picture of like, you know, I think, I think one of the things that Paul's describing is there's these, this paths, there's the path of the righteous and the path of the wicked. And here he, he talks about, he uses the word flesh to describe the wicked. Um, that And I think it's important to note that that isn't like a physical things are bad. He, mm -hmm. he, he's saying flesh in a sense of like the way that our world works now under the curse in the, in the deficiency or in the corruption and distortion of our sin. But it isn't actually like physical flesh. The physical flesh isn't the problem. It's... It's this distorted way of living is what he's talking about. And he opposes that to the spirit, the mm -hmm. way of the spirit, or the way of the righteous. So there's these two paths. And I, I got this image of like, you know, ultimately, um, you know, we have the Trinity, the Father, Son, and the Spirit. And, and we see here that um, Jesus has, in a sense, like, or, the, or God, in a sense, has made it so this path is something that, that is fully... Um, provided for and, and and God in every way is like making this path possible. So if you think about the destination is the destination is to the Father, you know, to get back home, to get back to to God the Father. Um, and the path itself, the way is Jesus. Like mm -hmm. Jesus is the way to the Father. Like that's the that's the the path that we're to walk on. Um, and in a sense the spirit is the one who enables us or walks with us and and helps us our guide along the path and so he's saying this is the kind of things that this that just like make the way the way it is you know peace patience that that this is this is what it means to be walking on the way this is this is these kinds of things goodness and gentleness this is what characterizes the way of the Lord. This is this is the way of Jesus, mm -hmm. and um, characterizes us getting closer to the Father. But the Spirit is the one traveling with us, within us, propelling us, um, helping us grow, um, walking walking us through the path um, as our partner, um, as our guide, dwelling within us to get us down there. Where um, when we depart on the other way, we're turning from when we go on the way of the flesh with all these these evil things that it talks about when we, when we live this kind of life that characterizes these kinds of things, mm -hmm. 
then we're turning away from our destination. We're leaving the way, which is Jesus, and we are de- we're not we're we're, le- we're like leaving behind our guide. We're not listening to our guide, and we're deciding to not listen to his advice. So I think this is the kind of thing that I think is like being described here in these these two different paths. Yeah. I think a I think a misunderstanding I I had in my own life for a long time. It's like you know, my mom might have said when I was a kid, you know, Nathan, you need to be more patient. You need to be more kind and stuff like that. And really that worked its way into my mind that I have to do that. Mm. And there was a point where I was reading this passage and I realized I was like, in all my efforts to become more patient, become more kind or gentle or something like that, it was ultimately, I think, going to fail mm-hmm. because it was like, Paul is very clear. It's like, it's a fruit of something. Mm -hmm. It's not about pursuing the the fruit. It's actually about pursuing the tree, so to speak. And that was a big turn. That was a big turning point for me. It's like, oh, wait, our focus is when we focus on like our our performance on like how well we're doing at at being patient and things like that, where our focus is actually self-centered, self-focused. And over and over again throughout uh, 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 the Bible and throughout uh, the Christian church, the history of the church, it's actually like, well, stop thinking about yourself actually Mm -hmm. in some ways. It's, It's put your focus on the Lord and I really do I really do believe that there's a level of yes, we need to work on it, but at the same time, like if the spirit isn't in you, if you're not putting all your weight into God himself, into the spirit himself, the fruit that you're looking for ultimately can't come about. Yeah. Because you're trying to grow it yourself. And so Paul I think is really inviting the juxtaposition is, is like, if you live by the flesh, all of these things will come about. Mm-hmm. But if you want these things, and he's really, he really is kind of, I think on some level pitting, it's like, see all these good things, all these good fruits, you know that they're good fruits. Well, here's their source. Mm-hmm. And if you desire the orgies and the drunkenness and all that stuff. It's like, well, there's the flesh for that. Yeah. But he is pitting. It's not like, it's not pursue. I don't, uh, it's not walk in step with the pa- with patience. It's walk in step with the spirit. Mm-hmm. The reframing, I think I would, I would pose to how we approach like our own self-improvement is it's, not my effort it's the spirit's work in me Mm -hmm. and if you acknowledge these things as good that's that's a good first step but ultimately it's like to achieve the level of patience and kindness and gentleness is through the spirit of god it's Mm -hmm. not through our own human effort it's like they're growing growing in an intimacy Mm-hmm. with the spirit yeah mm-hmm. that we're going to become more patient not in mm-hmm. an attempt mm-hmm. to be more patient not like willing ourselves to to do that either mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. willing ourselves to be with the spirit rather than willing ourselves to 
be something or mm-hmm. perform in some way. And um, it changes, I think it really changes our attitude about how we approach, like, it moves us away from actually a merit-based faith mm-hmm. and into, like, a relational-based faith, yeah. actually. So it's like, no, I need to interact with the Spirit. I need to interact with God. Trust that, you know, He is kind and patient and He's willing things for my life. And it's not about me doing stuff. It's about me just listening. It's about me interacting with the person mm-hmm. more than um, interacting with the person rather than trying to come up with understanding what, what I should do or how I should go about something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it is a process. And both of you have said this, but I'm going to say it directly. Um, like when the spirit dwells in us, It doesn't mean that all temptations by the flesh go away. And it doesn't mean that suddenly we're loving and joyful and peaceful and patient and kind and good and faithful and gentle and self-controlled. I think what's important is like Paul is saying, keep in step with the spirit, which means we have to cultivate the relationship and we have to make conscious choices to follow the spirit's ways instead of the ways of the flesh. Um, And it's not just this thing that instantaneously happens when we become Christians, uh, but it's something that over our entire walks here, we're making conscious choices to conform to what the Spirit calls us to do and what ultimately Jesus calls us to do. Um, And that's how the fruit is produced. It's not not coming from us, like Nathan is saying. Um, And it's growing out of our own obedience to what God is calling us to do. Yeah, like our own willing. I mean, that's ultimately the the real choice that God gives us is like the choice to continue to walk with him, to be in step with him, to choose to be with him. And um, it's through that presence that that we get closer to the destination of the Father, mm-hmm. further along the way of, of Christ and, 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 and richer intimacy with the Spirit. Okay, let's end there. Christian and Nathan, thank you so much for joining me today. Happy winter quarter. Here we go. And if you're out there listening, thanks for taking time to learn more about the Holy Spirit with us. Feel free to email us with comments, questions, or topic suggestions, as always, at social at OregonStateXA.com or reach out to one of us in person. Have a great week. And remember, the Holy Spirit lives in you, but he also longs to be close to you.